Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by Safe Light Auto Glass. Keep the drive going with Safe Light. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other side. We had a UNLV game to play, my friend, and, and we will discuss that momentarily. <laughs> also on the show today, we'll have Devere Posey, former Buckeye receiver, will join a little bit later on in the program. Uh, college basketball, as we know it, is ending, so we got that to look forward to, which is nice. <laughs> and an absolute abomination from our two beat guys on the television show today that, that I want to bring to your attention as well. Uh, so we will get to all of that uh, on a on a fully, fully packed dubcast today. Let's start with UNLV, my friend. Um, you know, this was – my overriding feeling with from this was if you had concerns about anything with Ohio State, this doesn't soothe any of it, right? I mean, this was just a, such an outmatched opponent. Um, JT Barrett was throwing against air most times instead of a defense. It was just the worst pass defense I've ever seen. Um, they, you know, they, they held UNLV to less than a hundred yards passing, but at the same time, you felt like there were a couple that could have gone the other way and they had some pass interference penalties. It's kind of sloppy. It was all right. Um, uh, they don't cover the spread. So personally that angers me, <laughs> but that, I don't want to bring that into the analysis. Um, but it, I guess in the end, I kind of walk away with it going, okay, that's what you should do. And maybe that's enough for a Saturday in September uh, in a money game, that that they look the way they're supposed to look. There was nothing that made me feel demonstratively better about where they are. Can they beat Penn State? Nothing changed there. This was a confidence builder, I think, plain and simple, and some confidence was probably built, and and some kids you know, got their feet under them who hadn't previously, and, and that's kind of my takeaway. There was nothing other than that. The big headline, I think, is probably Haskins plays his, his biggest minutes and his most substantial playing time. It looked pretty good. Um, he didn't look to the point where you would demand a change at quarterback, but he, he looked pretty good, and he can certainly make some throws that JT can't make. Um, so so th- that's kind of my the broad strokes on it. I, I don't, there's not a lot I can extrapolate when the when the opponent is so overmatched as UNLV was. Oh yeah, I mean, the, the, if I'm going to apply three letters to this game, it's like M E H, right? Like I'm just going, eh, eh, meh, eh. it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> it's fine, like yeah. it's fine, and. and you know, honestly, the, the things that I wanted to look for, I want to see kind of a progression in the passing game. You didn't really see that. I mean, the, the passing game was roughly the same as it was the previous week. Um, you wanted to see the defense perform really, really well, and they, they kind of didn't. They kind of got lazy towards the end. And they didn't do badly. I'm not saying they, they sucked out loud or anything like right. that. But it, it was a very meh game against a completely overmatched opponent. Um, you know, it, I think, like you said, if, if you were looking for anything but rote, I don't know that you really got that. And honestly, at this point, I'm not like concerned about it, but you would hope that, especially with the downfield passing game, you'd see a little bit more of that. Um, but overall, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a late September out of conference opponent. Like that's, that's, yeah. as, as, that's the most I can say for what I saw on Saturday. And it was enjoyable. I think JT Barrett found his footing a little bit. I think, I still think I, you know, Kevin Wilson, in my opinion, seems to have much more of an effect on the play calling that he had in the first few games. This really does feel more like an Indiana offense than, than maybe an Urban Meyer High State offense. But I think it's a good thing with the personnel that they have. And they tried a little bit with some of the younger guys, and that looked good. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know what really solid things that you want to pull from this game. But, meh. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think we're in a stretch of that. We're in a stretch of meh games. I mean, yeah. you know, Army was that. This game's that. This week's game is that. This is why, uh, and I'm on the radio up here in Cleveland a lot, and, and it's why the, the people who, and I'm in, staunchly in the college football better than pro football debate. Like, I don't yes. think it's really close. Um, but, but there are people up here who can't see 
the college football. And some of them, one of them is my program director. Like he just, to him, it just, and he's a fantastic guy, but to him, he just doesn't click. Like, I don't get it. Like, how do I get excited when they play UNLV? And if you're not a diehard Ohio State fan or college football fan, and you're not looking for the nuance of a, a young kid getting his first couple of throws like Haskins did, or uh, one of these young freshmen making a play, and maybe that's something that can help you down the line. If you're not into that, I can see how this is a tough, tough stretch for you because, you know, they go, okay, well, when do we get to Penn State? You know, right. and so that's the that's the tricky part here because the way that the schedule has played out, you get the heavy weight in week two, and then you kind of wait. And we kind of, you know, Maryland's has, with all their injuries, has fallen apart. We thought Nebraska would be better. They're, they're not. And so we've got a long wait to Penn State. And um, and for, for the diehards like you and I and, and all the people who listen to this, I'm guessing, um, you know, we're going to be watching every game and, and looking for the nuance. But if you're not into that nuance, it's a, it is a tough spot. The, you know, yeah. these games, it's a tough sell. Well, one thing that I want to say that, you know, I, I, I probably undersold a little bit on, on my intro there is, is the fact that, you know, you did see Haskins get an enormous amount of playing time and, and really oh, yeah. got to, to show up what he do. And I, I will say that first throw that he had, yeah. uh, I was like, ooh, ooh, pardon me. Like, I actually no, might different. need to pay attention to the rest of this game. Because uh, right. that, was, that was a bullet. Uh, He's pretty fearless, John. He's yeah, pretty fearless. And, and I, I appreciate He's not that. not afraid to let it fly. You know what? The pick six, the pick six wasn't great, but I, I appreciate the fact that he was feeling himself enough to attempt that throw even. Uh, yeah. You know, he's got a clearly an enormous amount of talent. And I really enjoy seeing a dude who does not have the fear in his eyes in, in trying to manage a game in that position. He knows what opportunity he has when he gets into a game like that, which is I'm going to just sling it. And what's funny to me, obviously, I don't think he he did anything really to, to create a quarterback controversy or anything no, like that. No. But that's to me, because I promise you, there is a huge right. amount of fans who look at that and go, mm, Dwayne Haskins. And then the second JT yeah. Barrett throws an interception, they're going to be on that, like, you know, like white on rice. They're going to be so, so excited to tell everyone who will listen how much Haskins needs to start. Because uh, that just gave him more fuel for the fire. We saw that. And our, you know, post game fan interview stuff that we do with yeah. Kevin. Some people are like, "Hey, man, Haskins, you gotta, you gotta think about right. it." I'm like, "No, you don't." But I just love the fact that that's still brewing, and uh, I don't, I won't love it when it actually becomes an issue. But right now, it's hilarious to me. So, yeah, I think you know the thing. The, yeah, the thing that's tricky with Haskins is he he does he does he did some things in the game on Saturday that we haven't seen JT doing in, in a couple years. Right. Um, you know, he really lets it fly, and he's got big arm talent and. Um, so that can't be ignored. And, and I think for Buckeye fans, you think back to Cardell in 2014. And for many of us, that was the best Ohio state's offense has ever been was the three game stretch with Cardell and Zeke Elliott. And you say, well, we got JK and now we got maybe Haskins. That's pretty dicey. That's that's a problem. You know, that type of arm talent. So, you know, that's something to monitor going, you know, going forward for sure, but nothing to overseat JT at the moment, not even close. And it shouldn't be a really a topic for conversation I don't think in any way and and it's certainly not in that program the other backup quarterback for Ohio State made a lot of headlines last week after we did our show and that was Joe Burrow Joe right. Burrow played in the game looked sharp and shouldn't be ignored by the way he's pretty damn good um, but the headlines he made was following the information that made was made public last week by Forbes that the Ohio State football program was worth 1.5 billion with a b dollars 100 million dollars less than the Buffalo Bills were valued at, a professional NFL football team. So the football program alone worth $1.5 according to Forbes. 
Joe Burrow uh, went on Twitter and said, boy, he made the the classic, uh, the, 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 the plea that you often hear from athletes, though rarely those that are still in school. But now these guys have a voice because of Twitter and Facebook and they can be heard. And so Joe Burrow let his voice be heard. And he said, boy, it'd be nice if I get a hamburger. Um, and it was <laughs> among other things. And even got into it with Doug Gottlieb and um, and 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 all sorts all sorts of things that followed. This is um, this is, and we're going to talk about the college basketball stuff in a little bit. But this is the this is the 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 underbelly of college athletics that is becoming too big to ignore. The money has not stopped; it hasn't slowed. It's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and they don't know what to do with their money. And the athletic director at Ohio State, Gene Smith, was retweeting this and i don't know if it's something you necessarily want to be proud of when you have free labor yeah. um it it's a i don't i thought the optics of it were just i mean i thought gene's thinking was so obtuse i just did not understand his thinking at all i mean to me that was something you just want to ignore don't bring attention to the fact that that a program that is built on the backs of free labor and I know they get scholarships and p- training tables. Trust me, they work for it. That there's no—I don't know how those kids get out of there with a degree, with the with what's required of them during the season and now year round. Even 15 years ago, these kids were allowed to go home for summer. They can't even do that anymore. So, so they put in the time. I mean, they, they put in the time. And I don't have a quick fix for you. I, I don't think anybody does. Otherwise, it would be fixed. There's a lot of problems to try to make it right. Um, but to bring attention to it, I was shocked that Gene did that, John. No, I, I didn't think that was a smart move on their part. I mean, I, under, I get it. I understand that they want to portray Ohio State athletics as this pseudo, you know, professional program. I mean, you come to Ohio State, the bright lights, and you get videos on you all the time, and they make flashy, yeah. you know, graphics and all that good stuff. And that's what gets kids to commit and do other things. But the optics are terrible because you you are exploiting quote unquote amateur athletes. Uh, to yeah. make literally a profit of 150 million dollars a year, um, so I, the optics are really bad. What's funny to me is that uh, for high school athletes, I don't think that's viewed as a negative. For college athletes, oh, who I think start to realize that you know yeah. they, there is a ton of money on the table that they cannot profit from whatsoever, just on the basis of their name alone. I'm not even talking about like paying athletes. I mean simply like. I can't sign autographs for five bucks, that kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. Once they get, you know, involved in that uh, environment, I think they start to become resentful of that. I, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to my class uh, today and yesterday about um, unionization, especially in the uh, early 1900s with like the, we talked about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire and all that other stuff. And, you know, a lot of this just, it, it, it's not, a lot of this unionization that occurred at the turn of the century was not a result of people not getting paid at all, right? Like at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, they they got paid pretty well for that time and that job, but it's the fact that they weren't compensated uh, and their conditions weren't to the point where they should have been, right? Like they were still right. being taken advantage of. And That's I think right. a lot of people talk about college athletes as if, well, we're getting you this, this scholarship, that should be enough. And I I, I feel like people who are not, there all the time or with them all the time they think that it's just a, a one-to-one analogy you do work we give you the scholarship at the end and i don't think they see the complexities of a the money that is involved which is massive b the yeah. work that they have to do which is also massive and c just the fact that like they see everyone else around them profiting from their name yeah. their coaches and the 80 and all this other stuff but they don't have access to that 
Um, and obviously there was a huge story today about, you know, college basketball and whatnot, right. that I think connects to it. But I guess my point is my overall point is that people don't seem to be able to see the forest for the trees when it comes to this. They, they think it's a very simple thing. And, and as Joe Burr pointed out, it's not like it, it should be more. The, the players should want more. They should be able to have more. And like I said, you know, I think the whole unionization thing that started, you know, like Northwestern and it's gone on to some other places. I, I think you'll see that pop up again. I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Jay Billis has stated that. And I, th- I think that that is the logical step. Um, you know, these are 18 year olds, so they're men. Uh, they certainly would be well within their rights to pursue it and to have representation. And I, I think it's probably the next logical step. What's happened, the money has just gotten too big. Yeah, it's too big to ignore. It's you know you can't you can't just keep stacking it and and hoping that nobody notices. And that's what they've done for a very long time. And um, you know that's why I was shocked by Gene like being out with this and being so outward with it. I was shocked that he did that. Um, because he has to he had to be aware of how that would look, and to have your you know now all of a sudden your your athletic director crowing about a program worth one point five million and a backup quarterback saying, "Hey, where's my taste?" And he's right. He should. I mean, look what they've done. Look what's happened. I mean, what's Mickey Marotti make? I mean, I, I want to say it's like six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, ten years ago, Eric Lichter was making less than a hundred grand, and now the strength coach at Ohio State makes six seven hundred thousand dollars. And why is that? It's because they have the money, and right. and that's the going right. And they've got to pay somebody. And I don't begrudge Mickey Marotti for making that. That's his. That somebody who is willing to pay him that, and he's taking it. That's fine. But it's because there's so much money and they don't know what to do with it. And yeah, so they got to spend it on something. This isn't Woody Hayes, you know, taking a, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar contract or whatever for however many years straight or doing whatever he did, you know, like working at a bare minimum and so he can live and do a decent house in Upper Arlington. I mean, this is these are people making mansion money and then telling athletes They're rich. Right. And then telling athletes that, sorry, I know your name might be worth something, but you can't sign a baseball card. You can't sign a football. You can't do any of that stuff for money. Like, it's just, I think on the bare minimum of it, I don't know how you even attempt to argue that, you know, a player shouldn't at least be able to profit from their own name. Like, I, at the bare minimum, I'm talking about paying players. I just, I don't understand the argument that goes into, you know, they can't at least say, I'm, you know, Dwayne Haskins, my name should at least be worth something. Uh, well, that's it is. Really, that, the, that's something the they've always had, and that's something they created yeah. themselves. They didn't have to go to Ohio State to become Dwayne Haskins. Right. The reason that they don't want to open that Pandora box is because then a, 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 a wealthy booster, like what, what's Emory Jones worth? Like, you well, know what I mean? Like right, on his sure, own name. That, so like, but that happens if you're the, that's, that's my point. Like, it, no, I know, but limited. I mean... They, they, they don't want, you're right. It does happen regardless, uh, not to the extent, but like if Emory Jones was on the free market and right. he was up to the highest bidder and a booster at Ohio state, and let's say it's a booster at Ohio state, a booster at Alabama. And they say, well, uh, uh, he's worth a million five to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So no, I know. But again, Emory like, Jones comes on far? campus and he's, he's a million five. Sure. You know, and what if he doesn't perform? You know, right. I mean, it's a it that's the that's the Pandora's box of it. To me, the, the the thing that's made the most sense always to me is to privatize the football programs. They're the only ones that really make money. There's some places basketball would do, but it's really like less than 30 basketball programs make money. It's football that makes all the money. And and if you privatize the football programs, if you want to add basketball, you can. You could privatize them and you could set up trusts for people who played 
and and award you a certain amount of money for the amount of time you're at the school. I, I think that that would be a, a a fair way to do it. And that way, there's at least some some sort of um, regulation to it where, you know, you play four years at Ohio State, it's worth $250,000. When you leave, you get 250 k sure. Thank you for your time. 50 grand a year, 100 grand a year, whatever, for every football player. And if it's a privatized, then you can get around the Title, title IX implications. Um, but it's, look, it's tricky. There's no easy fix. That's why there's people, you know, really smart people who this is a soapbox for them, like Jay Billis, they don't really have an absolute way of fixing it, right? It's kind of like, and yet, and yet, and we're going to get to it later on in the show, you have what happened in the college basketball world today. And if you think that that's only happening in college basketball and that's not happening in college football, you're out of your mind. Yeah. You are out of your mind if you think that that's not happening in college football. What bothers me is that when people talk about this and, and you know, we you offer solutions like, yeah, you set up a trust or you allow them to like, you know, at least register whatever sales you know attempts they're making with the university or something like that. People will say, well, that's not a perfect solution. There are no perfect solutions. No, there aren't. There aren't. And you can't you can't deny progress on the basis of not having a solution that fixes and resolves every single issue that you can possibly come up with. The situation as it stands now is unacceptable. Come up with a solution that makes it more acceptable and then work towards a better, more perfect ideal. But you can't start at if the solution isn't perfect, then we can't do it because that just basically denies all progress and all change. And that that is an unacceptable situation for me, because seeing how much money is involved and the fact that some guys are, you know, suspended, expelled, you know, basically put low because they wanted to just make a relatively small profit off of who they were, uh, I think is just completely ridiculous. So I really, that kind of gets me, you know, kind of gets me heated because I really don't like the idea that everything has to be perfect. Solution has to be perfect for any progress to be made. Cause that's not, that's not realistic. That's not how the real world works. No, it certainly is not. Um, and we'll have more on this. We do the college basketball story coming up in a little bit. Uh, we, we also have an abomination from the beat writers that I have to get to as, as the Buckeyes <laughs> prepare to take on Rutgers. We'll talk a little Rutgers as well. Uh, before we get to that, though, SafeLight is a presenting sponsor of the Dubcast. And one of the reasons we were so eager to work with them is the fact that I've used the product a couple months back. I had a ding in my windshield that became bigger and bigger. So I call my insurance agent. He calls SafeLight the next morning. Now, this was late in the afternoon. Next morning by 8 a.m., two texts are at my house, removing my windshield, putting a new one in. Entire process took about an hour. I did nothing but continue to drink coffee and stay awake and wrestle my boys. That was it. That was my SafeLight experience. My guess is yours will be similar because when you choose SafeLight Auto Glass, you will get quality vehicle glass repair and replacement and exceptional customer service every single time. And we are now joined by our guest this week, and he was one of my favorite guys that I covered in Columbus. He was a fantastic receiver at a Cincinnati LaSalle named Devere Posey, and he joins us now on the hotline. Devere, good to have you on board, my friend. Hey, how you guys doing, man? I appreciate that. You know, buddy, one of my um one of my favorite moments, and I, I was thinking about it today on my way back from Columbus, and I was uh, I, I kind of got chills and got a little emotional, but um, I remember your senior day, and I remember the emotion of that day, and I remember the, the applause that you got, and it was the loudest. Um, there was nobody had a louder applause than you, and I thought it was so just and so deserved. Um, that's been a while now, obviously, but as you look back yeah. on that day, and boy, all that you went through, but that day, and I know it didn't end up the way that you wanted it to, uh, you know, wins yeah. and losses and stuff, but do, do you recall that day? Yeah. Uh, 
that day was a great day, man. I mean, it was the last time I played there. Um, we lost to Penn State. I mean, it, it could have been a lot better. But uh, at the end of the day, man, I, I love that stadium. Um, I love playing in there. I love, you know, giving blood, sweat, and tears. I've got to play in some amazing games. I've got to rush the field, you know, score touchdowns, you know, in each, in each end zone. Uh, you know, I, I got to play with some good guys and some great coaches who've gone on and doing great things. And, you know, that day was just uh, – you know, just a summary of all of that, you know, all the emotions, uh, you know, that last roar. And, you know, you can't really uh, put into words, you know, the feelings, but it's uh, some intrinsic joy, you know, that kind of runs through your body. Uh, it, it was a really pretty magical day, man. Were you aware that, that you had the loudest applause? Could you hear it? No. Nah. Uh, not, yeah, really. uh, uh, not really. Not uh, really. Can't really tell the volume difference on the field. Yeah. Yeah, people people were pretty. I mean, obviously, you know what you were able to to accomplish and and what you meant to the university. I'm I'm not surprised about that at all. Um, you know what? I'm going to take you even farther back because I I, I don't want to waste an opportunity with this because I'm from I'm from Southwestern Ohio myself, and uh, okay. I'm originally from Middletown, and I went to Fenwick. Okay. Um, okay. And I want to ask you, can you can you please explain to people who maybe not have a great uh understanding of this but can you talk a little bit about southwestern ohio catholic high school football and <laughs> and and why and why it is such a big deal that they have like you know the the catholic leagues down there and you got moeller and you got all these other guys and elder um actually let me talk let me rephrase a little bit let me let me start over because i think what people don't quite understand is the allegiance that people have to places like notre dame and some other places and yeah. the fact that you ended up at Ohio State. Why is that such a problem sometimes for Catholic kids in Southwestern Ohio to not make the leap to Ohio State? It's it, it's as I've gone and you know and played for you know teams and you know meet meet people. They always ask me what Cincinnati like, and you know I grew up Ohio State fan, and I just said geographically, it's it's one of the most. Uh, it's it's close to Columbus, but it's also really far from Columbus as far as, you know, fan <laughs> support because it's because of the greater Catholic League and the Catholic the Catholic foundation that you have in Cincinnati, just with all the churches and all the families that grow up, you know, with that background, you have somewhat of allegiance to Notre Dame. Um, and then also just geographically where it is, I mean, my principal, the dean of my principal uh, disciplinarian in high school was a season ticket holder to Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I grew up a Wildcat fan. I loved Louisville growing up. I loved Bob Huggins and the Bearcats, Coach yeah, Mentor and Coach Mentor, you know, in the Roethlisberger days. Like, I remember that stuff growing <laughs> up. And, you know, even Miami of Ohio. And I mean, I was aware of the MAC Conference growing up, being in Cincinnati just because of Miami. And it's just uh, you're so close to so many other teams that – Ohio State kind of gets forgot about sometimes, although it's in Ohio. But that that to to make it to Ohio State was like I, I was I kind of was against I was against them. I grew up you know liking you know UC and and uh, my uncle went to Michigan, so I was always kind of fond of the team up north. But as things went on, uh, I mean, I just it was a, the perfect storm with you know Coach Hazel and Trestle and, and that staff being there, um, and we just gel well, you know, my family and them, and you know the guys I came with in with helped a lot too. So 
that's kind of how that story went. <laughs> that is that is a perfect answer. That is a one hundred percent perfect answer. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Devere, you came in. That, that was like? a rock star class, man. I mean, that was a rock star class that you came in with. Um, and you look back on the time you spent, and you know, we it ends the way it ends. But I mean, my goodness, what a the amount, the expectation on you guys uh, when you came in. Yeah. I mean, that was that was Tress was getting it together. I mean, that was that offensive line that came in with you, TP, you, there was no holes. I mean, that, that class was the most complete class on paper that I've ever seen at Ohio State. Yeah. That was, a, that was an amazing group to be a part of, man. We had some fun time. Yeah, are there memories that jump out? What are the, as you look back on it, what are the games, what are the moments that crystallize for you? Uh, Iowa, um, to make it to the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, the, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl was a pretty special game. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, throwing a touchdown to Dane, uh, playing with him, <laughs> uh, beat, beating Penn State at home, Dane catching the tip ball off my head for a tug. Uh, man, it, it's so many, man. It's just it's hard to – you know, I remember, you know, playing in the Fiesta Bowl against Texas. We really won that game. We got robbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember, uh, man, just – Wisconsin, my freshman year, when uh, Malcolm made everybody do the jump around, that was fun. Um, <laughs> up in Wisconsin, oh, man, I just uh, I had a bunch of memories with that place. And it's it's crazy, you know. You really don't, you really don't ever remember the games from like your helmet view. I only remember them from like watching TV and, and the film view. But it's like I remember just the feeling of. You know how tired I was, or this and that. You know, but it's like a, it's like one of those things that just, you know, you just never can forget those days and those moments with those guys. So now you you're, you find yourself you're in Canada, you're doing you know some good things up there. Uh, what is how is it different? Like how is the environment different? How's the game different um, from what you've known? You know, down in in the states and you know playing with a bunch of different teams in the NFL. Well, the field is bigger, um, so it's a different game. And just being at the field is bigger. It creates different angles. Uh, and also having one eligible, uh, extra eligible that you don't have down south. So you have six eligibles instead of five eligibles. And uh, and that's a difference, too. So that creates more of a passing league and different windows. And um, and if you can establish a run game up here, it's uh, – pretty hard to stop so that that makes the game different and um but besides that man inside the lines you know top of the route you know jump balls 50 50 balls you know um, in my avenue it's the same thing you know catching and running you know getting some yak after the catch uh that that's all the same thing and um and i'll be honest man the guys that uh, i've been playing with up here man it's uh these guys really love football and um, and that to me is uh, that's important, you know. I mean, because you know, with football, you know, it could it can get it, it could be queer with its twists and turns, just like life. But you learn different things, the people you get to meet, you know, at the right times, and just you know how you get to grow as a person, man. It's uh, I remember Trust always saying, you know, football will tell you everything you need to know about life. Um, and he's right, you know. I mean, I, I remember those days, those meetings, you know, reading the winner's manual and. <laughs> You know, now that I've been able to kind of, you know, go through life and play it out, you know, and have experience, you know, uh, you learn, you know, how important the love for the game is. And, you know, I'm happy to be around people who love the game and, you know, and uh, being able, fortunate and blessed enough to to still play. So that's been a blessing, man. 
I have no complaints. Devere, do you have, um, you know, you're still in the middle. You, you still have lots of career left, but have you started to think about what's next? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, I think about it, you know. Um, you know, I have a, a few things I'm working on, a few ideas, a few ideas that I'm uh, already in progress with, and Good. We'll, see, we'll see what happens. I want yeah, to ask you this, too. I think you saw this. I don't know if you saw this or not last week, but the Ohio State football program was valued at $1.5 billion. Uh, you know, you were a part of that. <laughs> yeah. So that's wow, $100 million that's less than the Buffalo Bills. That's amazing. That machine doesn't surprise me. Do you, do you do you what do you what are your what do you what do you feel now that you've had some separation when when I when I tell you something like that that, that the program you were a part of is worth is worth 1.5 billion and um you know all of us sit here and go boy somebody needs to get you know these guys who play they need to get some taste of that I mean that, I think that's the natural reaction for us but as you as somebody who played how do you view it uh, oh is the uh hmm. That's a tough one. I it mean, ain't easy. Uh, yeah, as a as a player, you feel some type of uh, that makes you proud that you're a part of something like that. That's uh, growing, and it means that much to. I mean, honestly, the the fans of Ohio, um, the people who value Ohio State, the families, the people that's gone through there, the people that I'm pretty sure you know that that trademark is one of the biggest trademarks around the world. You know that little sign at the bottom with the R in a circle. That means a lot, you know. That means a lot. I mean, to, to people who wear our gear, you know, support our university, alumni who've gone on. And, I mean, for it to be valued at that, that their investment is there's some validity there. I mean, it's it's uh it's a lot that went into that, and I believe it's worth that. And um, as far as to to be able to benefit from it, I don't know. I don't know if uh. If that's really my place to say anything, I mean, I, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye for life. I have an education from there. Um, I have a degree from Ohio State. Um, I did everything I needed to do there. I made connections with a lot of great people. Um, they open, they accept me with open, open arms, even with all my trials and tribulations. I don't know if I'm, uh, if I should have a right to that, but I, I believe, you know, hey man, I got everything I needed from Ohio State. Uh, well, I'll just—I mean, I'll be—I'll be straight up. I think you do have a right to that. I think you have a right to both your opinion <laughs> and your success. I mean, honestly, you know, uh, I don't think you'll find many people who who disagree with that statement either. Um, but I—I kind of want you to to maybe take a little bit of a longer view. I mean, you're not again—you're you're still a pretty young dude, uh, got a lot yeah. of game to play. But how do you think maybe Ohio State's changed since you you know you were there to the the present time, especially with the coaching changes and things like that? Uh, how has it changed? Um, I, I mean, obviously the people are different, uh, coaching staff and the players are different. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really feel like it's changed much. Um, it's, it's still a machine. I, we don't never, we never, re, we just always reload. We never rebuild. I mean, it, it's, and just over years, it's just continuing to get better and better as urban is installed culture and it's, it's trickled down from, you know, seniors to freshmen. Um, it's it's a culture there. Uh, it's a it's a winning culture. It's a comp- it's a competing culture. Uh, it's a getting better every day culture. Uh, I think those guys, you know, with the real life Wednesdays, they're preparing them for life after football a lot better. 
you know, at any time in the past, you know, with just a mixture of social media, you know, the platforms with you know, applications, you know, smart technology, it's just, it's growing at a rapid rate. You know, the, the, the things they have for them physically and recovery-wise, it's, it's cutting edge. I mean, I, I remember, you know, when I got to the NFL thinking like, man, I had to say had this before. <laughs> Texans don't even have this. Like, I already had that or how to say. It's just like, it's, it's, I've said that so many times. It's, it, uh, it's an amazing place. I, I I don't know how much it's changed. I'm not there every day. I don't know, you know, what practice is like. I don't know if they're doing Skelly before team run. I don't know, but <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's, it's uh, I, I bet it's a bit different, you know, on a daily basis. But it's it's, it's still the same machine. And I just think they they've ramped it up, man. It's a, it's I'm proud to stand with Buck, man. No problem. Devere, uh, I thought I thought the way that you stood your senior year was one of the one of the most grown men things I've ever seen a college player do, and it's cool to see and talk to you again and see what a grown man you've become to become now. And it's it's fascinating. I appreciate your candor and uh, letting us have a few minutes of your time on a Tuesday night, my friend. Thanks and good luck to you going forward. No problem, man. Go Bucks. And we want to remind you to be sure and visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11warriors.com. And I saw the new shirt that you've been teasing me about, Johnny, for months. Yay! I saw that it launched, uh, which is an, a, fitting, a, a fitting description for it, right? Uh, this is a good one. I, 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 you probably had something to do with this, I feel. And I think you, <laughs> you guys did a hell of a job. I did have something to do with it. It's funny because it wasn't my idea to begin with, although I 100% like... 100% support ripping on North Carolina uh, right. for any like supposed, you know, we own flight and all this so, other BS. But yeah, the, the shirt says, tell the people what the shirt says for yes, those who okay. haven't seen it. So it says, first of all, it's the thanks for the win tee. Uh, it's first in flight. And it's, it's basically, you've got the right flyer, right? Because obviously, you know, the Wright brothers are from the Dayton area. It's from Ohio. They were the ones who, you know, created it. Uh, and Ohio is, of course, first in flight because Ohio is the genesis of of powered flight. Whereas, of course, North Carolina likes to, you know, say that because they're a location that exists in the universe, uh, they deserve that moniker. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the analogy that I always well, the make, shirt just like, says "Thanks for the wind." Yeah, right? and it says "Thanks for the wind." It's the right flyer, and it's got a banner trailing behind it that says "Thanks for the wind, North Carolina." Um, the the contribution that I made is that. Uh, originally the right flyer was uh, backwards on the shirt and I was able to catch that before <laughs> it went into production. So now it is, it is facing the correct way and flying the correct way. And, uh, What's but yeah, amazing it's, it's about a solid shirt. It's a really solid. Basically shirt. North Carolina has just been better at marketing than Ohio. Yeah. And truly it's yeah, really it's that simple fine. because their license plates say first in flight as somebody who did not grow up in Ohio. I just assumed that they were. Yeah. It's it's like it's like basically crediting the Mona Lisa to the canvas. It's stupid. Yeah, it's not. It's it makes pretty, no sense. It's a pretty. You got to give them tip your hat to them though and say they really were on top of it. Ohio dropped the ball on the marketing front. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Darren Ravel, you know, sheds a yeah. single here. But I, you know, <laughs> we, I give I give dropped, credit. I'm we dropped credit the ball. We're bringing it back. That's what I'm saying. We're bringing it back. Oh, I love it. That's why I love the shirt. We're gonna overturn this. North Carolina is gonna see all these shirts uh, when everybody goes to the Outer Banks or whatever. And uh, you know they'll they'll have to rescind their first in flight, uh, you know, crowing and all the other crap. We also have another. One. We got the uh, Ohio Bicentennial shirt out there. If you guys want that, okay, That's cool. A pretty solid, pretty solid shirt itself. So, 
Very good. Uh, pretty solid performance at a Penn State on a Saturday night. Michigan is at Purdue. They they do handle their business. Harbaugh doesn't like the locker rooms at Purdue. He can join a long list of coaches who don't like the locker rooms at Purdue. Uh, they're bad. They're you know Purdue and Illinois are pretty dreadful. Iowa's not great either. Um, speaking of Iowa, I don't know if it's still like this, but the last time I was out there, the 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 toilets do not have doors or walls. There's no stall. <laughs> What the hell? So you've got to do it in front of the whole team. Oh my like, god! It's crazy. I hate this. Mind Everybody knows crap. the locker rooms pink at Iowa. You're not but getting at, when I was out there the last time. There were no stalls. You're just out there. It's that's, crazy. That's terrible. So yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens in these road venues. And Penn well, State was and there. Then, it didn't bother them. Yeah, and Purdue like talking about how this is you know some point of pride for them that they have a garbage visitors locker room. Like I'm sorry, they're like Oscar the Grouch, like talking about how awesome their trash can is. I don't, I don't understand yeah. why they think in 2017 that's something to crow about. Like that's something to like have pride in. Like, yeah, we don't spend any of our you know gigantic amounts of Big Ten money, which people are pointing on Twitter. They're making 40 millions of dollars from the Big Ten, but they can't put air conditioning in their visitor locker room. Uh, Harbaugh, yeah. I mean, 100% has a point on that. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I think I, most I of them are the pretty bad. To be fair, upset, but yeah, they're not alone. I just am getting. Guessing if this came back to bite them with the air conditioning because it was so abnormally hot for September, but there, there's a lot of garbage locker rooms around the Big Ten. I mean, there's they some bad, fix. bad visitor locker rooms. Illinois is terrible. Iowa's bad. Penn State's bad. There's a lot of bad locker rooms in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's unacceptable to me. I mean, the, the amount no. of money we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Uh, the amount of money being fl- thrown around, like let people have some air conditioning when it's you know the first three <laughs> weeks of the season. It could be like 90 degrees out. Like that's that's stupid. So. Penn State uh, survives Iowa. Just a couple quick notes on that. Say, I think it's uh, it's obvious at this point Ohio State has played the number one and number two Heisman contender in Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley is the best player in the country right now. I mean, if yeah. he keeps this up, he's 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 taking home the Heisman. I mean, there's this you, what he has ahead of him, uh, who, what their schedule is from an ambition standpoint, the type of spotlight games that he's going to have as his year goes along. Uh, the Heisman is his for the taking, and. Um, you know, it's it's right there on a platter for him. The likes of yeah. which, you know, we haven't really seen since Zeke, and and Zeke was just undone by because in the biggest game he didn't, you know, whoever's fault it was, he didn't have the biggest game. But, um, but Barkley's going to have that opportunity. I mean, this is going to be a season long campaign for him, and rightfully so. He's special. Well, the operative word in what you said, or the operative phrase, I guess, in in what you said is, uh, if he keeps it up, and you know, I predicted yeah. on Eleven Warriors, I predicted if you know all goes according to plan for him. He will get the Heisman because I think he is that talented and he has Heisman talent clearly, but he also is a really up and down kind of back. Uh, you look at some of his games last year, especially against Indiana, you know, you're averaging like less than two yards a carry uh, against a team that is not very good. Um, if you look at his entire career, I think he has had, I'm trying to think of exact because I was comparing him to Ezekiel Elliott. I was trying to see, you know, like less than five yards per carry games. I think in Ezekiel Elliott's no. entire career, he had like seven games of less than five yards per carry. Uh, Saquon Barkley had like three. I think he had four of those last year alone. Um, yeah. So he's they you know, played on very it, different teams. To be fair, though. Yeah, and I mean, that, and that be, is true. Right, fair, very exactly. different teams. Yeah, and yeah. that is absolutely true. I mean, he's you know it's hard to disguise what you're going to do at Penn state with, with Barkley, you know, he's coming a lot more often, but I, 
I just think he needs to stay on it. I think he can be forgiven a few games of, of subpar production, but when it comes to the games against like Ohio state, he's oh, going yeah. to have to perform yeah. really well because people will not cut him any slack on that, especially as a no. and he was great in the stadium. The last time they were there. Yeah. Oh, no, he was spectacular yeah. that night. So, um, you know, he's got it in him. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see as it goes along, you know, so the, the other thing that we were, we, we're going to get to, let's just do brief impressions of this college basketball bombshell that the FBI drops. And I say brief just because it's still evolving. And I don't know if we know everybody who's involved, but my impression of it at this point is that um, one of the, one of the great kept secrets in the history of American athletics has been the, 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 the curtain has been pulled back and, and, and now what anybody who's spent any time around college basketball and college football, because this isn't going to just be college hoops, guys. If you think no. it is, you're very naive. If you think the same type of stuff isn't happening in football, um, has been exposed. I don't know how the FBI got involved. I don't know why they got involved. They did. Um, but this feels like a really big deal. Um, and, and when you talk about federal prosecution and the federal government behind an investigation and the prosecution, that's, that's big problems. And I, I don't know, I don't know how I, I, it's too early for me to try to predict an end game on this, but it feels like an enormous game changer, uh, to, to intercollegiate athletics. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if the federal government is getting involved in monitoring your recruiting practices, that's, that's going to wow. change a lot of things really quickly. Uh, I, you know, what's funny to me is, so you're looking at like, for instance, Rick Pitino, right. And yeah, the same and stuff that they're releasing. And it's funny to me that they are saying some of the same type of things that they would say if it were an NCAA investigation. And yeah. part of me thinks that a lot of the parties involved do not recognize the gravity of what's really going on. And they're, they're sticking to their same old tactics of, uh, stop. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm outraged by this. Let's get to the bottom right. of it. And, right, as if any coach in Rick Pitino's position doesn't know every single thing that happens at his university. And his yeah, program. and especially Rick Pitino. Come on, uh, the person. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see which heads end up rolling on this because there are a lot of guys who are going to try to play this as if the NCAA is doing the investigation, and when they find out that the you know the FBI is a little <laughs> less deterred than the NCAA on certain things. Uh, they may be in for a rude awakening. So that that might, well, that might be interesting. Fundamentally, the FBI has subpoena power and the NCAA doesn't. Yes. So it just starts the there. Board. Exactly. So let's start there. Uh, and even the guy today said, he said, I heard, I saw a line where he said, look, we, we haven't even had anybody start to roll yet. Wait till they start right. to roll. Right. You know, there's going to be, you know, there are going to be deals being made. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, if, if you, I don't care where you coach. Um, you had some sleepless, you, you, you're not sleeping tonight. I don't care where you coach. If you coach in a big time program, football or basketball, you're not sleeping well tonight because my guess is it, can you imagine the shock in athletic departments around the country day when they realized that the FBI had a wiretap like at Arizona? No, we, <laughs> I mean, right. think about that. Wait a second. What you're telling me that they, they've, they've tapped our phones. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the panic? Because, folks, if you think that every program doesn't do a variation of this, you are completely naive. Completely. And most of us don't want to know about it. You know, most of it, it's the hot dog analogy, right? You love a hot dog, you don't want to know it's made. Same thing here. You love your college athletics, you want to know, don't want to know how it ends up that way, right? Yeah. I would be worried. I, I, whatever fan you are, well, everybody listen to this, Buckeye fan, I, I would have cause for concern. Yeah, but, I mean... I don't think there's yeah. any end to it. 
Well, potentially, no. I mean, considering all the, you know, all the, all the teams that are out there, all the coaches yeah. that they could potentially look at, I, I think there's a lot more, maybe the story's a little bit more juicy with the AAU and, and you know, obviously it's, it's even extended with the, the shoe companies and stuff getting involved. Yeah. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot for them to go there. And, and, you know, these the thing people need to realize is that the NCAA sets timetables for themselves with a lot of this stuff. They say, all right, well, we need to wrap this up by, you know, X date. Uh, the FBI does not do such things if they don't they don't feel like it. And considering just the sheer amount of information that they can, you know, sift through and go through and whatnot, uh, I just, yeah, I you have no idea the direction that could go in. Nobody does. And I just think it's funny that, um, you know, some people expect this, that this will blow over at some point. There are people who will spend their entire careers on this type of investigation in the federal government. Yep. Uh, and yeah. people might get frustrated by that, but that's that's what you've invited once you open that door for a federal agency to kind of monitor you and and you know make those types of investigations. So yeah, I I, I just think over the next couple of days there will be more and more that comes out, and I th- you know I just, I think there's a lot of people that are in, in full panic mode and not sleeping well tonight, and we'll talk more about it as the season goes along. Uh, don't forget to follow the Eleven Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes as well. We encourage you to subscribe and uh, and rate very highly that would benefit us um yeah. all right buddy what we got rutgers this week and I, I we don't need to spend a ton of time on a breakdown I, I think it's um you know we always do the three things so so we'll do that and um you know my first one is just look clean i think that's the word for urban i said it on the television show today when we taped like it's that's the whole thing is be clean you know no turnovers no injuries this is uh this is an ohio state can roll out at c plus game and and you're fine so uh, to me that's the first thing that i think you know, you want to have a game like you had against UNLV where you just get out of there, you handle your business, it's over at half, and you look clean. I think that's the number one thing for me when you talk about Rutgers. Yeah, number one for me is early lead. I, I want to see them just pile on the points in the first couple quarters, and then you can play with backups and, and you know, formations and do whatever you want to do. Get an early lead, coast, and and just be fine. It, I don't expect an entertaining – I don't want an entertaining game, frankly, for two halves. So right. make it fun for a quarter and a half and get the hell out of there. Uh, the second thing for me is Mike Weber because I need to see him. I need to see him at some point, and I know I need him against uh, Penn State at the end of the end of October. And I think he's going to be a critical part of this team. You know, the last half of the season, we saw even him himself, you know, wear down last year. And I'm worried about Dobbins with his usage rate. So I I, I need Mike Weber running with some confidence, and he's a full clear go. So I hope to see you know a healthy 25 run around out there on Saturday night. Yeah, and and just, you know, this isn't my second thing, but it, it would just be nice to see that. I mean, a guy, you know, you don't – we talk about people getting Wally pipped all the time, but it's not really a fun thing to watch when it's not really due to no. the fault of the, the player themselves. Uh, my second thing is Paris Campbell. I want to see what they're going to do with him. I, I, I He's got some flash. If they figure out a way to utilize his talents, he could be a really fun player to watch. If they – kind of let some of the stuff that he's capable of doing happen by accident, then he's just going to be an occasionally fun player to watch and a, maybe a more frustrating <laughs> player to watch. Uh, so do they utilize his talents? Do they figure out ways for him to be, um, you know, a dynamic player that he can be? And, and can he hold on to the football at the two yard line? So that's the other, <laughs> that's the other thing I'm looking for. Is your final one football related? Um, no, actually my final one is not. Neither is mine. All right. Yeah. So I'll go What's, first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, 
So, so mine is, uh, I, I did the television show today with James and Dan, and they're two great guys, and they're really talented young writers, and they both do a pretty good job on TV as well, um, which is a tough thing when you don't necessarily haven't done a lot of that, and they're, they're both doing a great job. Um, but they had, neither one had seen The Sopranos. Yeah. Well, it's unacceptable. That's, yeah, that's just unacceptable. unacceptable. And, and, and I understand. The, Sopranos is an excellent piece of television. I, I've seen The Sopranos. I love it. It's a great show. But you got to think about the age. Man, I, I talked to him about that, and so here's the tricky spot. Their favorite shows, James's favorite show is Seinfeld. Okay, well then that's so. No, it's not. There's no excuse for the age. That's um, fair. Okay. There's a million streaming services. Um, I, to me, right. you can't go to Piscataway on Saturday without having seen, you know, an episode of The Sopranos. Go watch Pine Barrens. Go watch whatever. You need to see The Sopranos before you. I mean, Jackie Jr left Rutgers to get into business with Tony and Tony said, well, you got to get back to Rutgers. Like he warned him and, and he didn't take, he didn't heed the warning. So, you know, I I don't know how you can go over there and having not seen the Sopranos. I mean, I just, so effective reporter of Ohio state football playing at Rutgers with us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, see an episode. So I told him, I said, that's your homework. You got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. So so I agree with that. I agree with that. My third actually is, um, you know, being in sports media, it's funny for me to even say that because this is not necessarily my like you know career per se. Although you know it, it sort of is in a, in a weird way. But um, you know, before I started writing uh, for Eleven Warriors and before I started to be like a co-owner and all that other stuff, I didn't really appreciate uh, the mentality of the sports writer, especially the beat writer. You know, somebody who was out there, you know, day in day out, going to all the <laughs> different conver- you know press conference stuff making the road yeah. trips and the angst that uh, our beat writers feel having to go to a night game at Rutgers is <laughs> something. It's something that I find really personally funny on a certain level. And on another level, I feel really, really bad for these guys. So <laughs> I really like, I'm, I'm looking forward. The, the third thing is I'm looking forward to just like ragging on these guys <laughs> uh you know and their and their night away game at, at Rutgers but I'm also really looking forward to their stories when they come back uh <laughs> just the general right. griping that they have because of it so that that's always right. so, fun for me so I what think ends up happening is on a yeah on a 7 30 or 8 o'clock game and especially if it's one that doesn't justify the start you know Correct. that's an all-nighter yes that's an all-nighter is. for James and Dan they're that's they're great. up all night and you know they'll either sleep a little bit or they'll try to drive home right afterwards I don't know what their plans are but um, there's no good yeah, solution to that that's the problem there is no good solution no i would probably try to drive as far as i can and sleep somewhere in west virginia and hope for the best but right. um or try to go all the way through but yeah that's you don't you love a night game if it's justified and you always felt when you were on the beat like if you got stuck in piscataway playing at 7 30 at night going well thanks a lot big 10 network right <laughs> like thank you i'm so glad that we're doing this at night like this game could have been played at noon for crying out loud the so, response no, from them I feel their pain. Slack when we, they found out that it was a 7.30 game was priceless. They wanted yeah. to burn the university down. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, so. yeah, that's great. Um, do we have time for it? We, we can probably do one or two Ask Us Anything. So I'm sure yeah, we, we, got, we got a couple here. Let's, time for a couple. Yeah, let's do Ask Us Anything. Again, you guys, please send us Ask Us Anything questions either to at uh, 11 Dubcast on Twitter or uh, Dubcast at 11warriors.com uh, on uh, the interwebs or email. This one's from Joseph. He wants to know, why do the Buckeyes, who have slipped a little bit in the polls, why do they keep getting dinged in the polls, and how concerned should we, as irrational fans, uh, be about this? None. 
Yeah. None. <laughs> Zero concern. In the first college football playoff poll that Ohio State went on to win, they were ranked 16th. Yes. So it's not about disrespect. I mean, look, they lost at home. They got housed at home by Oklahoma. They've mm-hmm. played nobody between now and then that would make what that would deliver them higher in the polls. Um, so that you know, if you base it just on what you've seen this season, they're probably overranked, right? Like if you just looked at this team for what you've seen this season and not what we know about the talent and urban and all of that, if you just looked at what you've seen, they're probably the 15th best team in the country. I mean, that you know, they haven't oh, done anything fair. to deserve to be ranked in the top 10. So and yet there and yet there is an entire season to go and plenty of opportunities to where they'll move up. So don't be concerned about it at all. Zero. Yeah, they went out if they went out there in the playoff. Uh and I also would say, I mean, from a vanity standpoint, it, it sucks that they're out of the top ten, right? Because you had that big long streak of being able to stay in there. But I I agree with you. I, I think on the face of it, they're overrated. And secondly, you know, as I just said, they went out, they're fine. So that's not yeah. really something to worry about. I don't and think. these polls don't even matter. No, no. no. Don't I mean, mean exactly. anything. So absolutely right. Absolutely right. Wow. The only the only polls that matter for the college football playoff, and that's that's the end of that. Uh, this one's from Alvin. This is kind of a few. This is a few weeks ago, but he wanted to know, uh, in the spirit of Gonzo's uh, governmental aspirations, uh, mm-hmm. if we had to pick a Buckeye to, you know, run the government, who, who are people that we would feel would do a good job, you know, helping our fair country to uh, success? Great, Joshua Perry. Yeah, definitely yeah. high up there. Yeah. I think yeah, he'd be, a guy he that can be governor to. of Ohio. Joshua Perry can be governor of Ohio someday if he wants to. Yeah. I think a guy that we talked to, uh, Spencer, like, you know. Evan Spencer's another one. Yeah. I mean, it, it, pretty yeah. clear. I mean, shoot, Devere Posey was pretty pretty thoughtful yeah. and intelligent guy. I, I had a lot of fun talking to that dude. Um, yeah. There are a lot of guys. I think football in general attracts, you know, A-types and, and people who like to talk to other people. And, you know, when you're a thoughtful person and you put in a lot of work and effort, then, you know, there's a lot of guys who could potentially do that. I say Joshua in the standpoint of not just that I think he would be one, but I do think that it's what he will be. It's something he seeks out outside of football interests. Um, To me, you know, going back to high school with him, like that kid is, is if he wants to, and boy, he could make a difference. um, He he can be whatever he wants politically. Uh, Maybe even uh, Malcolm Jenkins, you know, a guy who's also been, he'd be in New Jersey though, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, true, but it could be anywhere. I mean, yeah. politics anywhere in our our fair. Yeah, country. sure, right. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's that's ask us anything. Thanks, guys, for sending those in. Good, thoughtful questions. Please keep them coming. Uh, even though we are going to be like you know housing you know Rutgers and. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get you elicit from those, but yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I'm going to get you guys out of here on this one. We had Richard Lewis on last week, and it was fascinating and, and fun for both Johnny and I. But I wanted to tell you what happened. Um. before the interview so yeah johnny and i were waiting we didn't share this on the show because it all happened so fast but um so johnny and i are waiting for richard lewis to call in and we're discussing is he going to call is he not i don't know um so i'm texting his agent and i text his agent and i said hey richard was supposed to join he hasn't called yet so i get a no caller id number on my cell phone so i pick it up and on the other end is a very familiar voice it's richard lewis and richard lewis starts right shot out of a cannon into a routine about how i mean it's and it's hilarious like johnny can hear me laughing i'm sure on the other end but the phone's to my ear it's not on the podcast uh he called my cell phone so he did what do you think johnny like a two and a half minute oh easily material at least maybe maybe three or four minutes worth of material 
um, that was gold. And I, I'm trying to interrupt him, but if you listen to the podcast, you knew that was very difficult to even get a word in because he, he just, one thing after another, and it, it was so great. Um, so I get at the end, I said, I say something to the effect of, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I something to the effect of, I said, uh, Mr. Lewis, that, that was that was as funny as anything. I've, I have the worst news for you, and that is that we, we weren't recording any of that because you called my cell phone. And there's a, a dead piece of, uh, of air, and then he goes, you fucking idiot. And I know Johnny's gonna have to bleep that, but but I think from a from a from an expectation of Richard Lewis, that is exactly what you want, right? And I wish to God that it would have been on the podcast, and I wish no. that he would have called the right number, but he didn't. He called no. my cell phone, so that is what happened, and it was one of the uh it was one of the most surreal funny moments of all time and then he called into the show and we did it and it was it was fine but but typically when people call in they you know they it's very informal like hey how you doing he launched right into routine and johnny i know the only one who experienced it was me and the only thing you experienced through it was my laughter and that yeah, was it you were you were losing your mind it was great it was it was four and a half minutes of of material yeah that was perfect Jealous. and then for him to say that at the end of it after i said <laughs> <laughs> none of that was recorded and for him to not miss a beat and drop that line it was the perfect line for richard lewis to drop and it just reminded me of a curb your enthusiasm episode quite frankly so i wanted to share that with you guys because we didn't get a chance to last week because it was it all happened so fast but uh that's the true behind the scenes story on how the richard lewis interview uh went and the four and a half minutes it will forever be in my head unfortunately and nobody else's uh but but good stuff and we thank devere posey today and uh, we encourage you to watch The Sopranos if you haven't, uh, if you haven't already, <laughs> because by God, you should. I agree. And, and we'll see you guys next week uh, to dissect, you know, another blowout. So that should be fun. That's right. All right, buddy. Good times. We'll visit with you next week. Yep. Next week.